The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello and welcome to a video version of the Provoke Media Podcast. Um, we're sure to have a very lively discussion today about a subject that is commanding a lot of attention, and that is Gen Z. Um, and we're going to discuss Gen Z and their effects on the workplace. So we have three people participating today. We have Kathy Bloomgarden, who is a CEO of Ruderfin and a um, partner in this endeavor. So welcome, Kathy. Um, Gretel Pereira is head of Expedia Brand PR for the Americas. Welcome, Gretel. And Josh Morton is head of corporate communications for Nestle's North America, which is the food giant's largest market. So hello to one and all. Hello. Thanks, Diana. Nice Thank to you. see you. I appreciate it. You know, I was I was preparing a little bit, going through some of our notes and our readings, and I, I came across one of the um, the sort of taglines we used for this or a title for this, and it was about Gen Z. And the quote is "The end of the workforce as we know it," which is quite a dramatic statement, right? So I'm wondering what it is about Gen Z that is still very young. Some of them are what still 10, 12 years old that has the power and the influence moving forward to change the workforce as we know it. Okay, well, I'll just start off and then throw it over to um, Josh and Gretel. Um, I think that what we're seeing, first of all, is this you know huge influx into the workforce. So within about two years, Gen Z is gonna be about 27% of the workforce. I don't know if we really took note of that and realized it. Um, and in addition, about um, just over half of Gen Z is actually diverse, considers themselves diverse. So that's a really also a very, very significant change. And 80% of um, Gen Z says they wanna work for a company that shares their values. So all of a sudden we're starting from something that looks quite different from earlier cohorts. And as we sort of think all of us about getting back to the office, what it means, the kind of culture that we can you know, uh, put together and engage people with, um, we have to take into consideration the fact that, that Gen Z looks quite different. Um, it was a great comment in the Wall Street Journal recently where they said, you know, all this like two days, one day, three days, Monday, you know, and Friday at home, or maybe Tuesday and Thursday in the office, it sounds more like uh, gibberish than gospel. And of course, you know, having Elon Musk like throw, you know, um, water on, on the fire by saying, everyone's got to be back 40 hours, you know, or just, I will consider you're fired. So I think, um, you know, utter confusion, chaos. Um, so how do we like stop and kind of think about Gen Z in the context of all these other decisions and the kinds of, you know, flexibility that we need to put in place um, in order to make it attractive actually for the Gen Z population? Um, I know that from my conversations with Josh and Gretel, they've really already been doing a lot of um, pilots and experimentation and programs that actually have shown outcomes and success. And Josh, maybe I turn to you just that I would love to your, your, your comment the other day about how you were creating, you know, sort of a, a kind of independence and, and opportunity within a big company such as Nestle and, and what that really, what that looked like. Sure. I think, you know, one thing that, that we have to recognize about Gen Z is their desire to be entrepreneurs. And that goes from, you know, they're starting their own startups and their own businesses, even some of them when they're when they're in high school and college, to being in as part as part of the workforce. And that entrepreneurial spirit really is something that they want to carry 
even into a large organization. And so something that we've done at Nestle, um, two things, one on the product side and one on kind of the career development side, um, we have from a product development standpoint, a program called Open Channel, which is a total open sourcing, um, crowdsourcing initiative of new products. So anybody from anywhere at any level can take part in one of these challenges and they actually become a founder. Um, if they if they win, it's a little Shark Tank esque. Um, they go and they they pitch a product in front of the executives, and they have the funding and they have the the ability to work with a cross functional team and really exercise those entrepreneurial muscles within the business specifically that has the resources of a of a, of a company like Nestle. The other thing from a, a career development perspective, what we talk about is it's not the corporate ladder; it's more like a rock wall. <laughs> Um, and the ability to climb up and do different things along the way really contribute to a really successful and productive career. And so we have a program called Talent Marketplace that was actually started by one of our employees that allows people to post. It's like an internal jobs board, but not for kind of formal um, jobs, but more for things that may uh, people may want to develop skills at um, if, if you want to get into um, you know, a, a, a career in, in R&D, you can actually try that out by going on a little bit of like a, a, a mission assignment. Um, so we found that those things really help motivate employees um, at all levels, but particularly for Gen Z. You know, I think it's super important, you know, I mean, what Josh is saying, because about 62% of people are saying they'd, you know, in this cohort are saying they'd rather have a startup, have their own business, you know, and leave big companies. And so what you, what you've done really effectively is create that possible environment and made it even more attractive than your own startup, because you can develop skills. You can like, rock, you know, climb the, what did you say? Climb the rocks. The rock wall. <laughs> a lot so of people cool. play on rock walls and <laughs> they got a lot of things to do there. But is yeah. this, is it, is this change, and I'm going to try to actually make myself clear so you can answer it. Are you responding to Gen Z or is Gen Z part of a larger shift? Like we didn't roll out this kind of red carpet for millennials or Gen X or boomers, did we? I mean, this is big, courting them this way. Yeah, well, I think I personally, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I actually think that um, it is a different perspective um, I think that we do have, you know, it, we are able to look at it differently because we're questioning a lot of things about the workplace, you know, and really looking at workflows and looking at individual needs of different groups and being more responsible, responsive and insightful. So it gives us a moment in time when we can really do this a little bit easier than perhaps we could have done it in years past. But I don't know, Gretel, what you think, you know, just... Um, I mean, your 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 talent group that you've put together is like you know amazing, and I think very sensitive and insightful to different, you know, to different groups. Yeah, I think it's it's been an evolution, right? I think Gen Z comes in with a strong voice, and exactly what you're saying, Kathy, they have they're passionate about diversity and their voices being heard and values and purpose driven. But this has been coming for a while, right? That companies, especially, I can give the perspective more from the tech companies that I've been working on, on comms team, different tech companies and their comms team and the cultures. Um, it's been an evolution, right? That it, the companies have really embraced it, um, and that now it's primed, right, for Gen Z because we're ready for it, right? So I think it's been over the years. I did. Um, so two things to share with this group. One is from a personal perspective, of course, we're working in tech, but as you mentioned, Kathy, I also was a co-founder of an organization, a community called Latinas in Tech. We started about seven years ago um, with the simple goal of just connecting and elevating the voices of Latina women working in tech, which we are very few. Um, and it was just a really nice way to connect. And now the organization has blossomed. We have more than 15,000 members. 
Um, and it's just been a really wonderful way. But through those years, I saw the evolution through tech companies, especially from the outsider kind of view, because I work in tech, but from an outsider view as an organization that is working with tech companies, initially, you know, we would be like, oh, we want to have an event and we'll bring our own stuff. Now the companies are welcoming us and they all work and, you know, it's, it's accepted and it's actually, um, you know, you, you embrace these type of organizations in order to diversify your um, uh, diversify your, your talents, right. And everything. And I think internally at companies, one of the things that are really interesting in Expedia, for example, Expedia group, just so we're clear, there's three brands. So we have expediahotels.com and Verbo are our three main brands. Um, we're a global company travels a lot of employees. Um, and, uh, one of the things that's really important in talking to Gen Z, there's a lot of amazing people on the team that I talked to this week about what's interesting to them is values and company culture. Right. And that starts from the beginning, from when you're being recruited, um, to who you're interviewing with, to the team that you're on, um, to your retention and growing, as Joshua was mentioning, it's really important that growth pass. So they really want to see that opportunity for growth for their voices to be heard. Um, will I be able to grow? Is the leadership diverse as well? Are they walking the walk and not just talking? the talk, you know, are they really making um, things happen and in a consistent basis? So I think all of those things, you know, lead to um, now it is a place where Gen Z, their voices can be heard and, and the, the, the path has been set and there's still ways to go, but it's been exciting to see kind of the change and all these companies embracing different programs. You talk about tech companies doing that and tech's a relatively new industry. What are you hearing or seeing or what are the challenges for older industries, you know, the banking, the banking world, you know, Wall Street, um, law firms, these things that have been institutions that have been around for a very, very long time. Are they adapting? Um, maybe Kathy, is this for you? Are you seeing those institutions adapting the way some of these younger industries are? Well, I think we could take the sustainability and environmental area as one example. Um, and I'm going to, you know, like uh, lean on Josh to comment on that after this, but, you know, I think that, you know, um, making statements early on about, you know, commitments in terms of um, sustainability has been important for Gen Z. They really care about that. And, you know, as do others too, but I mean, it's particularly important as a value, you know, based company and authentic leadership. That's actually like Gretel saying, stepping up and kind of showing that you're actually delivering you know, what you're saying you're doing. Um, and there's been a little bit of um, scrutiny, you know, at whether the companies are actually um, holding true to the promises they've made. And you've seen a couple of a couple of examples of SEC coming down recently in terms of financial sector on some of the ESG um, funds and other commitments that have, you know, kind of been stated um, and whether they actually have the right metrics and whatever. But I was always really impressed very early on with what Nestle did in terms of, you know, the packaging and the innovation, um, you know, um, hub kind of approach where you were really early on, even before I think, Josh, if I'm speaking out of turn, but I remember that, you know, even before anyone knew how you would make those commitments, like you stood up and made, and then, you know, stated some goals that were, that were tough to make and then pursued, you know, the path for how to get there. Um, so I think that, you know, again, I'll let you comment on that, but I, I, I think that some of the industries that are, you know, again, um, not tech, <laughs> some of the industries that are, have been around for a longer period of time were early um, in terms of, of trying to move forward. And again, none of this is easy. And as we get into a difficult economic environment, 
energy scarce environment, prices rising everywhere, I think it'll become even harder. And I think it'll be important to keep our eye on like how we navigate through that. But Josh, maybe you want to comment what really happened and how you guys really felt when you were tackling yeah. that very early on, actually. Well, I, I I appreciate you you bringing that up. And, you know, there, it's it's the same for ESG and sustainability commitments as it is for DE&I commitments. And I think it gets back to um, the heart of what we're talking about here, which is if you take a look at, um, and I'm you know, admittedly an elder millennial, so you know when, when, you, when you look at and when you look at millennials, they you know we we think about them as kind of the me generation, a, a generation that really aspires to do a lot of things and always wanted to aspire. When you take a look at what Gen Z wants to do, aspirations great, but they actually want to do it. They want action. And so what we've done, um, particularly with the ESG work, but also with DEI. It's, it's less about the commitment. The commitments are great. You know, consumers want to see commitments, but what they really want to see, what they really purchase on shelf or what they really connect with as an employee is action. And so we've pulled that through uh, as much as we possibly can everywhere, showing the actions of what we're doing um, from the products and packaging to the DEI commitments that we're making. And those of course are like, commitments and values that go beyond what Gen Z wants, right? These are things that are good for the environment, good for business, good for the world, good for everybody. I'm looking at um, a little research that you sent me, Kathy, a survey, and it said there are three things that in addition to um, remote work that Gen Z wants. They'd like to see free meals in the office, casual dress code, games in the office, and team happy hours and events. That's not exactly the same as diversity and ESG, right? Like, how far do we go? Like, what is fair to ask your employer? I don't know. I mean, I we all got jobs and I didn't ask for games and free meals. It would be nice. But, you know, how how much wiggle room do we have to respond to them? And how much do they, I don't want to say have the right to ask for, but, but how far can we go? Still a workplace, right? Yeah, well, I, I but I think that people want a community, you know, and they want a culture that's caring. I mean, we've seen that very much empathy, um, connection. If they're going to come back to the office, it's not about doing your email sitting at your desk. I and mean, we all know that, you know, it's really more about being creative together, collaborating together, getting support from each other, and building a sense of community. And that's what I love, um, Gretel, about your Latinos in tech, uh, you know, group that grew to 15,000 people, <laughs> is that people get, you know, help from each other, you know, and I think that um, we have to really realize there is absolutely no right way. And, you know, just like the journal was saying, it's utter chaos. It's going to be really back and forth and changing, you know, and even the perks that you offer. I don't think that the Gen Z is coming back to have popcorn in the office. I think they want something much more deeper than that. Um, of course, they want to have fun, but it's really more they want to have the mentorship. They want to, you know, have the opportunities. And so it's up, you know, all of us actually need to be thinking about how we can engage people in internal communications in a more meaningful way. And someone said to me, you know, we opened our office, it was really great. And we said, okay, we promoted it and everything. And it's like, nobody came back. What do we do now? <laughs> you know, or young people came back because they live in New York and they don't want to be in their apartment by themselves with their roommate because it's really a small space. And none of the senior people came back. So the mentorship opportunity was was not that great. So we really need to figure this out. And that's why so great to have this kind of conversation because we can learn from each other about what works. Um, but basically, you know, as we've all been saying, you know, career opportunities to advance rock climbing, so to speak. 
um, you know, communities of mentorship, you know, from groups which look like me, you know, that that, that Gretel set up um, and being flexible. I mean, you, there was a great statistic on LinkedIn, which said, which LinkedIn shared, which said that like Gen Z doesn't even answer a job um, opportunity if it doesn't have the word flexible in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just, we don't know the answer to the question you're posing about how much, you know, peanuts, popcorn and ping pong we have to offer, <laughs> but we do know that we're going to have to continue to listen um, in order to be able to really be, you know, uh, attractive to a, to a Gen Z population. And um, I think one of the things, maybe it's a positive from the pandemic, right? People are yearning that, you know, community, exactly what we're talking about, Kathy, as we return back to the office, it is a fine line of figuring out how we come back. But I think at this point, those things that were so valuable before of that work culture, I don't know if it's that important anymore to Gen Z to have a ping pong table. We have it up here and people aren't really using it. Um, we really just want to be together at this point. We want to plan together. We want to brainstorm together, how to go to happy hours together. I think it changed a little bit of that perspective too. Even talking with the team this week, um, it's really more valuable the in-person planning sessions. We're a travel company, so we're making the effort to travel and have in-person planning sessions now that travel is back. So I think that's important. One thing I did want to add that's I think important is also for companies to think about is employee resource groups, as they might be known at, at Expedia Group, they're called inclusion business groups. So it's basically groups internally that you know are around um, Latino, African-American, um, Asian-American around that you can be with your peers within. And I found that many of those groups, I've led them before for the Latino organizations within tech companies, most of the times are led by the Gen Z, right? It's them that have the voice and they feel empowered to really like, I want, this is my culture. This is where I come from. I want to share it with others that have that similar background. I want to have a safe space to have my my thoughts heard, but then it's also supported by leadership. That's really key, right? It's one thing to have it led by the organizations, but I think it's really important to have leaders involved um, consistently. That's key, right? Not just because we have like, for example, executive sponsors for each of the group that participate and support each one, but it's important that they're active, right? And consistently listening and learning and um, not just showing up when there is just a meeting, but really being there and listening. Um, I think those groups are really important um, within different organizations to really encourage that employee engagement engagement, that feeling of belonging, um, of community, and especially right now that people are really yearning for that. And mentorship comes from that, right? Because there are people that are within, for example, the Latino community that I can feel I can mentor others and um, I can find mentors within there. So um, it's just so valuable that I really encourage companies, if you don't have in places, employee resource groups to really um, uh, encourage that within the company. Speaking of mentoring, we have another statistic here. Um, we have 66% of Gen Zers um, want in-person feedback from their managers, but 76% of employees prefer working from home most of the time. So there's two questions from this. A, how you reconcile that. And B, what does this mean for the people who will be doing, who are being the mentors? You're conceivably talking about older generations. Do they want to go back to work? You know, what do they want to do? How do you reconcile everybody's desires and um, double-edged requests, I guess? Yeah, so Josh, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it, you know, the the balance seems to change every single week, you know, depending on, on what's going on. People, people are trying to figure it out for themselves. I think companies are trying to figure it out as well. And I, I think you know some of the older generations should look at this as, as 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 an opportunity. So we've built the muscle over the pandemic to do incredible things remotely. At the same time, prior to the pandemic, you know specifically at, at Nestle, where we had more of an in-person culture, um, we were primed to do incredible things in person. And so now, as we as we 
try to move past the remote part of the pandemic and into what is the new future of work, we're trying to really bridge the gap between in-person um, and, and remote. There's, there's a power in in-person that employees know um, happens. It, it reduces the fatigue that comes in a remote-only environment. It increases collaboration, it increases performance, it drives that great climate. At the same time, we also know employees really want that flexibility to be able to work uh, you know, from home where, where and when they need to. And so for us, you know, all of our different operating companies have a little bit of a different model from a flexibility standpoint. Um, everything at Nestle has to start with a Nest. So for us, it's Nest Flex. Um, and for us, it really gives employees the opportunity to embrace the hybrid model the way it's truly intended. We don't have set days that people are absolutely need to be in the office um, on a regular basis. People can flex as they need, as the team needs it, as the business needs it, as they themselves need it. And it, it we're, you know, transparently, we're, we're trying to find that, that right balance. But when we get it, uh, we're seeing productivity go up. We're seeing climate and collaboration and culture scores go up. Um, and it's, it's bringing the best of both worlds together for us. Yeah. And I think what, you know, we commented about with regard to an empathetic leadership style is in sync with what Josh is saying. So there is no one size fits all. And, you know, one thing we learned from the pandemic is mothers have particular needs. You know, they've got kids at home. They've got you know, schooling issues. Um, they're caregivers who are taking care of older parents now and they have special issues. Um, so I think that it's you really have to keep your ear to the ground and be flexible, as you know, Josh just pointing out, because we're not going to be able to say our policy is X. You know, it's, that it's not going to happen in today's environment. It's going to be a constantly changing. But in order to encourage, you know, older cohort to come back to work, you know, this is a digital first generation Gen Z, and the business models are all shifting. We're going to, you know, people are going to have to get used to different ways of working, digitization that's really, you know, accelerating. So they can learn something from Gen Z too. How many people have to ask for help when they're looking at their, you know, social feeds? And now we see how TikTok has become, you know, um, accessible to older people too. I love the story of the 90 year old grandmother who was like, and went viral on TikTok. So, <laughs> I think that we would only learn that from Gen Z, you know, so, uh, you know, there's rationale for coming back and spending time with the different generations. Absolutely. But there's also things, though, that the older generations then have to learn, right? There's going to be upskills training that they have to, to, to do, right? How are employees going to employers, you know, keeping that, that segment of the workforce skilled and vibrant and all that while the Gen Z is moving in and their sort of digital first native um, skills. I think Josh hit it on the nail. Like it's, it's a, still, we're all trying to figure it out, right? As we're all, most of the companies returning back to office and it's a, it's a hybrid model. It's a new way of working, right? So we're all trying to figure it out. I think for us, um, at least at Expedia Group, it is exactly the same. We're very flexible in terms of the different teams. It's not mandatory a certain number of days. Um, as a communications team, we are trying to come in at least two times a week and make sure that we, at least as a team, are on the same days and collaborating with other teams on those days. And you can come in as much as needed. So very flexible, 
but it is a kind of a new way of working. But I think we all are yearning. This Zoom fatigue is real, right? So I think it doesn't matter your generation. I think the in-person is valuable. So as leaders, you should encourage it and lead by example and, and show up in the office and encourage others to come build other team building activities as well, because I think that sense of community right now is really, really important. Besides getting the work done um, is a very important time right now to connect with your teams and really, um, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're in this together. So uh, it's, it's an evolution, right? And we're, we're trying to still figure it out, but it's a hybrid new way of working. Right. And on that note, that's what I'm hearing uh, for our closer. It is, uh, it is, this is a continual evolution. We don't know when it will stop evolving, right? This is ongoing every day, every year could be a change. Correct. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. We have to create a learning an open learning environment where we're all trying to figure out how we can like every day, just learn something a little bit different and do something a little bit, you know, um, different from what we did yesterday. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's excellent. Okay. Well, thank you. As predicted, this was a great conversation on this topic, and I appreciate all your insights. And um, we will continue the conversation. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.